Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Adventure Girl podcast. I am here live with my co-host, Michelle. Woo-hoo! Socially distance-ish approved. We're, we're decently far from each other. We're decently <laughs> far from each other. Um, and today we have a very special guest with us. Um, a dear friend to both Michelle and myself and a resident badass of herself. <laughs> uh, we have Morgan Mater. Welcome. Hi guys. <laughs> Her- Thanks guys for having me on. Thanks Thank for, you for joining, joining us. us. Yeah. And you know, just a little bit. <laughs> Sorry, we're laughing because we just said that in unison. So that's, that's where we are. We're on today we're also drinking um with michelle right now at 10 45 a.m oops five o'clock somewhere it's so um you know join us enjoy but um before we get started on today's topic i wanted to kind of introduce morgan to listeners uh, morgan and i met a couple years back now maybe four or five years ago um both working at honeywell aerospace uh, Morgan was a materials engineer working on one of the development programs I had, and uh, she was working from California, one of our California sites. Um, thankfully, she decided she wanted to get a degree at AS and made her way to Arizona, um, where not only did we get to work together, but we quickly also became really good friends. And um, I could not be happier that she moved out here. Um, and like Morgan's just an absolutely amazing person, not only because of just like how badass she is in terms of like what she does for a living, um, being a materials engineer, like inventing new materials, just being a, like a boss bitch in her, in her own way, but also just being like such a good friend. Um, she was, you know, one of my bridesmaids with Michelle, um, such a good wife to her husband um and she also has a little doggy named abby so she's just a baller uh dog mom as well and um you know and i'll let morgan say a couple things about herself um once we quiz her on a couple (laughs) things here but um you know something the three of us michelle morgan and i talk about a lot is you know being strong independent woman and this goes across a variety of fields, like in our work, in our day-to-day, in our marriages, our relationships and everything. So, um, you know, we figured this would be a good topic to touch on, um, both for our female listeners and also just for awareness. If we have any male listeners out there to also, you know, get an idea of what we do, um, and kind of the stigma that we face as women and what not to do men. Yeah. What not to do do men. Um, so, you know, once we, uh, once we get our little icebreaker in with Morgan, um, we're going to go ahead and all intro us stats. Cause you know how much we love our stats and uh, <laughs> so much. We love our stats so, so much. And then we're just going to kind of do an open forum as if the three of us were just talking about this topic in general, um, and, and see what comes out of it. All right. So I spun the wheel before we started only because I can't duel things. So I already have it ready. So we spin, All this, right. yeah, we spin a wheel of questions. And this is a new one. We've had kind of similar ones for our last couple guests. So you have $5,000 that you have to give away. Oh, you can't give it away. Where would you give it away? Who would you give it away to? 
just to a single a single deposit, a single not no, you can not multiple. It. You can separate it. It's your money to give. You just can't keep it, and you can't give it to your husband. Okay, <laughs> okay. So the very first thing that came to mind, um, there is an amazing. Um, it's a, a boarding animal hospital and um, like pound uh, in Atlanta that um, is no kill shelter. And that was the very first thing that came to mind. Um, they do so such great work trying to um, train, spay um, the rescues that they get in and try to like adopt them out. Um, so kind of very similar to um, something we have here local Charlie Bar, they you know take in strays and try to train them and rehome them. Um, that was the very first thing. Um, Atlanta um, has a huge, um, huge need. Uh, such a big city that they get in quite a bit, um, but it's one of the only uh, kill, non-kill shelters um, in Atlanta because you know it is is very expensive to you know take in and you know spay all of these and train them, which is um, a bit more unique than just your average you know um, uh, shelter uh, to try to make these animals the best you know and and the you know, least challenge to take on, you know, if they're already spayed, they're already um, trained, they're already house trained, um, work through any, you know, issues that they might have. Um, and it just gets really expensive for them. So I think um, some something like that, you know, giving it to an organization that really tries to put in um, that work because, you know, they don't, they don't have to do that. And a lot, a lot don't, but it, you know, it gets really expensive to do that. And I'd, I'd want to help them out with that. I love your passion on that. And both D and I are over like, here smiling. Aww. We're like, uh, but you're, you're right. Like the training portion is such a huge piece. So that, that oh, yeah. gets them adopted, you know, when, when they're, training. Oh, yeah. so I love that. Now, did you have another one since you asked if there was piecemealing allowed or is it all going there? Well, like it, would probably awesome? be, it would probably be, like Charlie Bar here okay. that does that, and then also like in Atlanta, um, one of the, I, I worked with them in Atlanta. So, um, a, just a dog walker. I wasn't a trainer. I was just a walker. <laughs> but um, yeah, they try to get in. You know, the community like um, there's uh, the schools there, and so you can volunteer um, to watch, feed, walk. You know, all all of the animals to get them exercise. Love it going on right now you'd be going to awe Tula's laying on on me <laughs> so she no, likes not. yeah she likes your 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 as well so that's fantastic I love it um I love that question because it the heart of what care about. and uh obviously with this group you just made us yeah. happy now. so <laughs> D you've got stats for you guys <laughs> give me stats give me stats all right I only really have one stat this one's stuck in my head it's a good stat though fantastic stat. so uh I recently went well like women leadership training and there were some pretty badass women there um like VPs presidents of various like sectors and stats and I'll mention a couple of things here one of the stats that one of the female leaders you can find this degrees with some slight differences. 
um, what she was saying is a job has like 10 qualifications on it. Men will two to four of those requirements apply if they meet eight to 10 of those requirements. And she also noted from will negotiate a higher salary, whereas do for the most part, and she actually has to push them to negotiate for salaries. Cause a lot of times it's not the managers who get to decide that. Um, so those are just two stats about work that stuck in my head. And then, you know, Michelle also said something a moment ago where um, we were just talking about this topic where she said, oh, it's kind of, you know, uh, interesting that we see that. Um, but we also see stuff like this in, in day-to-day life as well. So like when she solo camps or she's out and about doing like these adventures on her own, she was talking about how she gets all these comments that like, oh, we'd never think you as a female would do this by yourself or, or don't you need a man? I've had that said to me. Don't you need a man? And like, well, these two things are different from each other. They all have the same, I think, underlying issue issue. And one is like how women are perceived. Um, and then the other one is our how, yeah, well. how we perceive ourselves yeah. and some of the biases that we yeah. put on ourselves. Um, and Morgan, when you and I were talking about this topic as well, you know, one thing, and maybe this is where we can just go ahead and start the open forum between the three of us is you said one of the things you hate the most at work is when you sit in a room at a meeting where there's open seats at the table and the only people sitting at the table itself are the men and the women are sitting at the seats, like on the outside of the table around the room. And yeah, and I wanted to like start with that and kind of get your opinion on that. Like, why do you think that happens? And what do we do to start kind of changing that at, at work? Well, so I think a lot of it is how, how we see ourselves. And I I love that you hit on both, you know, how others see us, but it's also how we perceive ourselves in a situation. And, and I think that is, you know, like you said, work, um, camping in our in our relationships with our relationships with our family um, of how we perceive ourselves and some of it is um, kind of I guess you know um, being asked those types of questions you know well you can do this by yourself and it's like well maybe you know maybe I can't but you know kind of having to combat that no, I can't. There's no reason why I can't do this. Um, and so I think with the meeting room, I kind of just, um, I read a few um, papers, went to a few seminars and really started looking at when I first started working um, and would go into a conference room. There's typically, you know, a, a big table in the center. And then for, you know, extra big meetings, they have like, typically you'll have just single chairs on like the sides of the walls um, so that if you get a really large meeting, you have places to sit. Um, but I would walk into meetings where, um, so to, as an engineer, typically there might be one, maybe two other females that are um, going to be joining the meeting, um, but would go in and there would be empty chairs in the table 
uh, you know, maybe one or two males sitting at the table. It's not going to be that big of a meeting, um, but there's already one of my female coworkers in there and she's typically, it, it kind of just what I started to notice is that the females would sit in the chairs on the side of the room. Um, even if they, and kind of really thinking back to um, kind of what really clicked for me, she was um, very instrumental to the meeting, but felt though she had to sit on the side. And that kind of really became something that I would always say to myself when I walked into a meeting. Um, now, you know, take your context, you know, well, but if you're involved in the meeting and you have, you know, reason to be there, you're obviously going. So there's some reason for you to be in this meeting, sit at the table, you know, sit and enjoy, join the conversation and make yourself seen, um, you know, kind of on the sides of the room. Um, if there's a discussion going on, you know, at the center of the room and the table that, you know, it's going to be very easy to overlook someone that's sitting on the side of the room. It can also be you know, perceived that you don't want to be part of the conversation. So it's kind of just been something that I've tried to work on with myself is, you know, how do, how do I perceive myself walking into a meeting? And then how is that display going to show others how I'm engaged? in this meeting. So, you know, kind of helping both scenarios, how I see myself and, you know, how I want others to see me in that situation. I think you just hit on something that I don't think a lot of people would think of is the how they're perceived as wanting to be engaged. Like I'm taking it off the topic of like women, you know, like the equality there, but just even paying attention to that, maybe that's something and I'm saying this very broad, maybe that's something as women that we're not as in tune with is thinking about that. You right. know, maybe I don't know. I truly don't know. Um, but I wouldn't have even thought of it that way. But that's very true. If you are sitting on the outside, it could be perceived that you don't want to take part. And so then maybe you are mm -hmm. being looked over and then maybe you're being looked over and you think it's because you're a woman, but maybe it was because of a mix of things and maybe men are groomed differently to do this. Mm -hmm. Maybe we miss out on that. Maybe it's a natural instinct. I don't really know. I'm just saying like, I wouldn't have thought of it that way. So I think that's a really interesting tidbit and something that we can all use of not just how you perceive, but, and even your own worth, but perceiving the engagement in something. Yeah. And, and I, I think that was a huge thing for me um, when I started at Honeywell as well. Like I was a young female and I was coming into a workforce that was like mainly very experienced men. And I'm sure that was very similar for you as well, um, Morgan. And, you know, I think one thing that helped me was like at the table, no one's even going to know I exist at this point and no one's going to, you know, give me the respect that I may actually deserve at some point because I'm not, I'm not looking like I want to participate. Um, but, but I've noticed it in myself, right? I'm a project engineer. So a lot of times I have to be the one leading the meeting. So I have to sit at the table and plug in and share my screen, et cetera. Um, but if I'm not yeah. like, sometimes I've even noticed this in myself, I'm like, Oh, well, I'll just let the more important people sit at the table. 
and like wait um because it's really about like how involved you want to be and how you want to be perceived and I think it's a, a bias we put on ourselves almost to an extent and something that we really want to um like as females we should be conscious of and be confident in ourselves enough to say we deserve to be at the table um and we should be at the table in order to make sure we get noticed or being comfortable with our choice to not yeah. be at the table that and too. say that this is a choice I made a choice like you know yeah. a meeting you don't necessarily need yeah. to put you know like just recognizing that balance I think it's all about that balance having the confidence yeah. to do so and the confidence to not you know and know that Knowing why exactly. you're not, exactly. right? Knowing that it's, it's coming from a place of context that, you know, I'm, you know, just overseeing this or maybe it's a, you know, a, a you know, not a project you're directly in, involved in, but you kind of just want to be, you know, aware of what's going on, knowing that that's why you're choosing to not be directly engaged in conversation. Um, but one thing I wanted to bring up was I kind of just sparked this that, you know, it could also be in your day-to-day -day lives of how engaged you are with say uh, camping activities or new activities. Um, I know that, that um, you know, kind of going into more of like, I would say like the fishing and the shooting and the setting up camp and fire and, you know, going and doing where's all this stuff that, at? you know, <laughs> where's your man, right? If, if you're not, you know, if, if, if you're not engaged in kind of stuff that quote unquote, a man would be doing, then maybe you're putting off the vibe that you can't do it or you don't want to be doing it or you know something like that so it kind of also bleeds over into you know anything that you're doing seeing how your actions you know may be feeding into some of the unconscious bias that um maybe a woman would need someone to do this for her whether it be you know setting up camp or setting up a fire, starting the fire, or, you know, going out and, you know, doing, doing really whatever um, is how you're being engaged or not being engaged could, you know, be feeding that um, perception. Yeah. And that's a real, that's actually a really good point because, you know, for me, like I didn't really get into outdoorsy stuff in terms of like camping and fishing and stuff until I met Nick. So a lot of it was just like not knowing but for someone like Michelle, um, you know, sh she's, she's living that life all the time as a solo woman. So it's always interesting to kind of see how people put us in, in boxes based on like what our experiences are. Um, and that goes for work and outside of work as well. Right. Like for me now I can solo camp. I mean, I don't think I'd enjoy going camping by myself but the three of us went on a women's trip together and we made it you know yeah we didn't die we didn't die <laughs> yeah. I have had a lot of bugs in my car but that um, was a genuine <laughs> issue like truly um but I think I will uh, say that eight years some of this stuff comes with age you you start to not really give a flying rat's patootie about what people think after that's a good thing and a downside. You don't think about how others perceive your engagement. It's a problem. You become distant or cold, not meaning to. 
Um, but then other than yeah. that, for the I will say my naysayers have long disappeared. Um, you know, when I was younger, yeah. it was the, you can't drive a U-Haul by yourself. Why can't I drive a U-Haul by myself? Yes, I can. Um, yeah. I do think yeah. there's a little age thing as well. Um, so the younger women, and I'm, I'm segueing here for you guys, because I have a question. Um, I think it is younger. Um, once you guys hit 30, I think things start to change a little bit, but how have you guys seen the difference from like college when you like first graduated college and started your jobs to now, do you feel like your age has helped? Do you feel like it's just experience that has helped or do you think people see you differently because you're a little older now? I, it's, it's so tough. So when I first started, I felt like such, you know, the like definition of imposter syndrome, like, like there's no way I'm smart enough to be here. There's no way that I, you know, have the problem solving capabilities or the confidence to be here. Just a hundred percent. I'm an imposter. Somebody is going to catch me and they're going to kick me out and they're going to find out who I am, you know, kind of this, like, I don't really belong here. Um, but as I've gotten a few, um, wins and a few mistakes under my belt and being able to, you know, navigate through some of these problems and, you know, come out on the other side, whether you think it's, you know, where you want to be on the other side or whether you find yourself on the path is, you know, kind of comes with, you know, with the experience, right? And so I think breaking away at that imposter syndrome and kind of, you know, sweeping it out saying, you know, I do belong here. I am, you know, I am, you know, giving good input to whatever I'm, whatever I'm doing, um, it, it does come with, you know, that experience. And oh my gosh, I can't tell you how much I hated that. <laughs> we all um, when, <laughs> when I first started, they were like, oh, it'll take time. And I, oh my God, I hated it. I was like, no, what can I do that doesn't just have me waiting, you know? So that's kind of where I really started to get into um, researching unconscious bias and researching what can I do to, you know, help myself and also help others, you know, perceive that, you know, I'm not an imposter. So really starting to try to, you know, employ some of those, you know, um, body language and verbal tactics that, you know, really help out um, kind of with your confidence and then with how others will perceive you. But God, I hate it. I hate it so much people are just like oh it'll take time that passive it'll just take time, time. i'm like you mean i just have to sit here and wait for time but to I pass <laughs> you know that that's what you said though because this is a generational change and i'm so proud of younger women for this when i started in the corporate world i started in a super male dominated world it, and we didn't have youtube we i mean and i'm not that much older than you guys but Different for me. I didn't have easy access to research that told me the, about power poses and told me about you know my why statement and getting that correct. I had none of that, and I love that you yeah. that you've like gone after that because that took me years to find. You know, it it started becoming more prevalent, and then YouTube 
came out and then I like devoured everything on YouTube. But especially in my industry, <laughs> women were accessories to everything. Even though we ran the business, we were accessories. And if I would have had that ability to research, and I love that you guys do, like, I love that you said, screw time. I've got the degree. I've got the brain. I've got the smarts. It doesn't matter how old I am. I'm going to use these cool tactics to position myself in a different light. I'm going to do the power pose. I'm going to speak a certain way. I'm going to speak with authority. I'm going to pay attention to those things. I love that. And I think anybody struggling in their world, there are so many free resources that you can find now that will teach you things. Um, I work for a company that does this for a living. So reach out to me. I'm happy to send you links for stuff um, because it's, it's all out there and so free and you can like, you can change the ex- need for experience. Some things you do need a little yeah. experience on, yeah. but you can get that. At oh yeah, of, of course. Morgan, something you said really struck me and, you know, don't let Morgan fool you. Morgan is literally an expert in her <laughs> field and everyone goes to her for like her expertise. And she has people she's teaching many people she's teaching right now under her. Right. Yeah. But I think what I, I took away from what you were saying or like what I was thinking about or reflecting on as you were talking was like, it took me time to gain the confidence to put my smarts out there. Yeah. Even if I was sitting on the outside, right. And I think some of that comes with a, now I'm, 21 and like just the confidence and knowing who you are and being okay with some people because you yourself out there right um and and just like the yeah. confidence at work as well it's like no I have an opinion about this and like I actually feel like this is the right opinion so I'm gonna fight for this and I'm okay if if I disagree with somebody or you know if I have to put myself out there in a way that makes me more and that took time for me and I didn't do as much of the like research and and and, you know kind of what you was for me like finding mentors at work both female and male yeah that kind of helped guide me in those ways and pull me in the right direction sometimes when I had those questions or those concerns that and I that's like something I would really recommend is like a couple of people now that are younger I know like Morgan does and I'm sure Michelle does well in her work mm-hmm. and I think that's such a huge thing is like find someone who's maybe not 20 or 30 years older than you find someone who's been in the same job as you five years for like maybe a couple of years longer than you yeah. and talk to them about these things because it's fresh for them too um so that's that's really big so oh, sure. I actually just now in my in my world um like I said I was in commercial real estate for eight years. And even though I was a, like a head of the marketing department, they wouldn't give me proper titles. You know, it was, they wanted to keep me coordinator or manager. Like, even though I was a director, couldn't get that kind of classification because, oh, but then you think you're special. Like I legit had that said to me and I'm like, no, that just designates it for other people. Like it, it really doesn't, you know, it lets me know my hard work on eight years and the fact that I'm 
running people's businesses matters. Um, but I left that and I came into having a female boss for the first time ever. And she is a strong, independent, amazing woman. And she is a mentor. And very early on, um, I apologized to a client on a call because she was crying. Like she had a breakdown and like my natural instinct is to like, I'm sorry. Like female's natural instinct. We want to like make somebody feel better. She called me the second we hung up and she's like, never apologize. She goes, even if you do something wrong, I will take it. She's like, I will take it. Not you. She's like, so if I don't apologize, you don't apologize. She's like, that girl was having a breakdown for something that had nothing to do with you. And I've never had a boss, a mentor tell me something like that. And now I feel like she's changed how I interact with my clients. She's given me the power that I needed, Mm -hmm. you know, because she's so amazing. And I know that even if I screw up majorly, she has my back. And so I do that for my project coordinators. Like I pretty much straight up tell them, I don't care how bad you screw up. I will like, I've got this. And that is such an impact. So like having, men- having a mentor, I think is just like the key to this. whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And even if, but even if you don't have that like readily accessible to you kind of still taking on that, recognizing, recognizing when, Um, you might be taking on blame that might not directly be yours. And as females, we do want to have that comforting, but in a, in a work environment and really any uh, environment that recognizing again, when you're taking on blame, that's not necessarily yours or, you know, that burden that's not necessarily yours. And, and if in, in life, if that's, if that's your role, if that's, you know, your family, what I have you again, context, right. But just recognizing when you do do that and knowing that you are and recognizing those scenarios. And a lot of the times, even just the recognition of the actions that you're doing is really like the first step in changing those actions is just recognize when you're doing it, make that mental note not even changing it in the moment because you know that it's it's a big deal to change your behavior and how you approach things is just the first step is going to be recognize when you do those things and and it's it's going to be a, a I mean, you know a big step first step um, to make those behavioral changes. Speak. Um, that's the first step in anything is you have to recognize what you're doing before you can shape different behaviors or choose to is what I want to do. This is, you know, there are some companies I've worked for that have had the mama bear that is treated and known as being like the mama bear and not necessarily like the boss bitch, but that's their choice. That's their, they're choosing that role that Mm -hmm. that's what they want to be. And that's perfect. Like that is just fine. Like the world needs everybody. Um, but that recognition of that and maybe recognizing that in others yeah. instead of, you know, belittling others or perceiving others in a way, maybe rec- that recognition of, well, maybe this is their personality and their role and this is what they want for their life. You know, maybe they don't want to sit at the table because they don't want more responsibility. They got, or they got another job or whatever it is. Um, 
you know, it's, it's recognizing that in yourself and then recognizing that others are making their own choices in their own ways as well. So I have a question to follow up with that. I like, I have this train of thought going and I don't know exactly where it's going, but how do you guys think the fear of failure kind of plays into this? Because for me, I know fear of failure was a very big, like, to growing my confidence for a while. And I feel like women maybe take on a little bit more of that than men do, like failing and being okay with it and just moving on. Do you guys have thoughts on that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think that's kind of where, so in, you know, as we're speaking on these, you know, tactics and techniques and you kind of are always working on them right you always are trying to you know do something differently or or you know have a different way to approach things and you know kind of always working on and so I don't want the listeners to think you know I'm I've got it all you know figured out and this is what I did and this is how you should do the recipes here um you know we're kind of always working on ourselves and and um in, in all the facets of our life. But that's kind of one of the biggest things where I'm sitting right now is being okay with taking risks and potentially failing and how to move on after that. So um, 2019 was kind of a big, um, it was a big year for my career. Um, and I, I, I guess I perceive that a lot of mistakes were made or a lot of failures occurred. And so I'm kind of now in 2020 in the last few months trying to figure out how I move on without letting those failures like really affect how I take on new risks. You know, you always want to learn from those failures, but you don't want it to like scar too much of like your decisions moving forward, like not wanting to take risks because I failed previously. And I'm kind of struggling with that, not struggling, but learning how to do that and how to be okay with it. And like coaching myself that people make mistakes and projects make mistakes and they don't turn out exactly how you thought they would. And, you know, recognizing that you kind of just have to take those lessons and apply them to the next risk or apply them to the next project or, you know, decision point that you're going to be making. There is that failure doesn't make you look weak. Sometimes it makes you feel weak. And I think that's what we as women sometimes maybe take a little Mm -hmm. bit too internalized, at least from perspective. I feel when I fail or like when my project fails or something goes wrong, it's me. I mess like the world is ending. I have to take full responsibility for this. I messed up. And it's it now everyone thinks that I, I'm the reason this happened. Right. Or like for me, a little bit of that is, is what happened early on. And sometimes that still happens to me, but like you said, I think it's the big thing is like recognizing that and just being okay with it, learning from it and moving on. Um, and I think that applies to like, are outside of work things for me. Cause like I said, I'm new to camping and fishing and all this stuff. And like, I have to ask for help sometimes. And I worry that I'm going to look really, really stupid sometimes too. But 
I think people realize that and actually find strength that you are going zone i think that applies for both in work and out of work scenarios so being very candid in 2009 i lost everything and by everything i mean financially physically mentally i was so rock bottom that i don't think there was anything below me and for the next few years i lived petrified of making a mistake and i use lived very very loosely Mm -hmm. i existed and so my, my gift to you guys, I guess, is look at your failures as your strengths. So it's a mind shift for you guys. It is when I failed, okay, step back. Don't have a drama queen moment in your head. What really happened? Did you really not do your best? Did you really do something dumb? Did you re- like have this conversation? Like, Mm, was I really kind of off my game? And if you were, accept, recognize it and promise yourself that you won't do it again and show up for yourself the next time. Don't just say this, but show yeah. up. Confidence comes from showing up every day. So even if you fail, if you don't. She's like on me sleeping. Um, but even if you do fail, it's okay. We all do. But have the real conversation with yourself, the real one of, and eh, maybe I really didn't give a rat's patootie about this project, or maybe I gave up too early trying to start that fire and I could have, you know, having the real conversation, internalizing it, and then telling yourself you're going to show up the next time. Then when you show up the next time, your confidence builds and failures then become lessons and they become yeah. strengths. So I didn't start living again until I took some crazy risks. Yeah. And I failed a few times and I won a few times. But guess what I did for the next seven years? I showed up every single day, beaten, broken, happy, whatever. I showed up. And so what I would suggest for people who are afraid of failure is looking at the long run, looking at, okay, this is my career path. This project went awry. Uh-oh. Stepping back, looking internally and saying, did I really not do my best? But if you did your best, say, okay, yeah. no, this wasn't a failure. I did my best. This is called life. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's having that conversation and then just keep showing up for yourself every time. And I just thought of something, Michelle, as you were saying that, and it's, it's a work example, but I've taken this to my life as well. And uh, Morgan's probably very familiar with this. Um, we may have uh, blown up an engine a couple years ago. Um, oops. oops. And this was my project. This was my baby. This was my first program. And this turbine wheel just exploded in this engine. And we had done weeks and weeks of preparation and we knew there was risk in this, especially this test um, because we knew the part wasn't the way it was supposed to be. And it was a pretty high profile test for our department. And we did like weeks of risk mitigation, so much money into this. It was, do we go forward with it and lose all this money? Um, so we moved forward with this test and we blew up an end. 
and I cried a lot in the bathroom. Um, and then when I um, next day, I think, and he's like, Hey, uh, your, your engine blew up. How'd that go? I was like, I'm so devastated. Like we did all this planning and processing and whatever. And his takeaway was, if you look at that whole effort again, did you do everything that you could have to prepare for it? Would you have done that test today, knowing what you did at that point? Did you also learn something from this? And both of those were yeses. Like we had done everything. And if I had the same amount of information, we would have done the same exact thing again. And then, you know, did we learn from it? Oh my gosh. Yes. We learned so much from it, even outside of what we thought general. So those are two things I take with any risk taking that I do or any failure that I have in life is like, did I do with the information I had at the time? Did I make a decision that I'm comfortable with? And did I learn something from it? And, you know, bless this guy's heart. I mean, he's kind of a hard ass, but like at that moment, he probably knew I was like falling. So, (laughs) so yeah, I just thought about that. Um, so you did exactly the same thing. (laughs) You, you asked yourself questions, you answered them honestly, and then you were able to process it and move forward. And that's how you process failures Yep. or perceived failure. Because most of the time they're perceived, you know, they're, they're part of business, part of life, part of how many times did I fail, like (laughs) trying to camp, you know, like that if I would have taken that to heart, like I would have never camped alone again. I mean, I ate my first soup with the heat of a candle for Pete's sake, you know, (laughs) that, you know, so it's like, but I learned, I learned how, and I asked for help, you know, and then I learned. So I'm getting kisses, a lot of kisses right now. From the puppy. Not me, I promise. (laughs) (laughs) From the puppy. (laughs) Yeah. So I, you know, this has been good. I've been reflecting a lot on some of the work stuff that I've had and like how I've transformed over the past um, handful of years at work. And so I kind of want to move a little bit more towards our lives outside of work and maybe start by asking uh, how we've taken some of the things we've we've learned in our work life and applied it to our home lives or things we've taken from our home lives to work one or the other, right? How have we, we developed ourselves like in who we are and our strength and stuff and brought it to um, work or the outside. So I, I know where she's going with this. So Morgan, like I think about how you used to live in California and then here and big changes like how to change your world. Yeah. From that. Did you um, you know, anything like have you traveled a lot or traveling for yeah. what or what have you done to grow and change in that field? And that Oh, for sure. So um, when um, when I first started to work, uh, I was living in Georgia. I, I graduated um, from Georgia Tech and I got a job offer for Honeywell and um, the job was in California. And so clear across the U.S., <laughs> um, I had no I'd, I'd never been past um, Alabama. 
So um, it was much more West than I had any friends, any, I didn't have any family out there to lean on. I didn't know any of my coworkers at the time. Um, you know, I really didn't know what California um, was going to bring, but jumped, you know, I, I kind of cheated because, you know, I already had a job to land into. So I, I at least Don't had that. that. <laughs> so, yeah. So I moved, um, moved to California, um, just myself, um, and didn't have anybody, you know, that I knew, um, my husband, boyfriend at the time moved out with me for a month and, you know, kind of just got me settled in the area. I knew where the grocery store was and, you know, everything like that. Um, but, um, it was, it was really, um, a test to my independence, you know, to set up your rent, water, electricity, you know, okay. I've, you know, where am I going to go to the grocery store, going to the grocery store by myself, making meals for myself, you know, how am I going to, you know, I want to go get exercise. Am I going to go on a run by myself? Am I going to go, you know, there was kind of these needs that I had and I had to face them alone. So I, you know, there really was no choice. Corey was there for a month, but, you know, was, you know, had to go back um, to school. And so every, every choice that I, that I had to make, I was forced into being, how am I going to do this alone? And that really um, helped me practice my independence. Um, I guess forcefully practice my independence, right? Um, Right. Trial by fire. I have to do this. I need to work out. I need to go to the grocery store. I have to go, you know, I have to go do these things and I have to do them alone. Um, And was really uh, kind of a growing period for me. I got to mature quite a bit. Um, I also had to go find my own friends. Um, my work uh, co-workers are, were at that time um, quite a bit older. Um, they you know, were going to play with their grandkids on the weekend, you know, so you can kind of get the feel that they weren't really you know, going out to dinner and brunch and, you know, going camping and walks and things like that. They, you know, they had their lives, of course. So it wasn't really an option to, you know, the people that I was seeing every day, you know, becoming friendly at work, of course, you know, working with my coworkers, but really that, that was, that was kind of the end for that period of my life that, you know, that wasn't really going to be, you know, friendships that I would be able to be built, um, built anew. So having to go find my own friends, um, which was kind of a very new experience, you know, in high school, you have your high school friends, or, you know, if you do any other outside sports, you know, you have friends that are your age that are, you know, interested in the same things that you do, or in high school, you have like band, college, you have, you know, your classmates that, you know, are going through the same things as you. And it was kind of the first time that I had to seek out people that were interested in what I was interested in, 
without kind of a secondary medium of work or school or things like that. And so um, I, you know, started working out a bit. I started going to restaurants by myself because, you know, we, I, I lived in Hermosa Beach and um, it's a very um, kind of young, um, young hip community. So there was a lot of um, people that would go and groups of friends that would go um, to grab dinner, or grab brunch, and, you know, kind of just putting myself in those situations to be able to meet people. Um, and I got a lot of questions like, oh my gosh, you went to brunch by yourself? You went to dinner by yourself? And kind of these questions that we um, kind of get that it's like questioning what you're doing um, on, you know, kind of your independence level. And it's like, well, yeah, I wanted to go to dinner. And I didn't have anybody to go with. So it was me, myself and I went to dinner. <laughs> so, um, but thankfully doing that and kind of getting to know um, the local faces, um, you find people that, you know, you just kind of strike up conversations with and made quite a few of my friends um, that way by just being present and open uh, for those relationships and for those conversations, um, to, just, to make those friendships. So no, no, I think, you made, you know, like, I, go ahead. Um, I literally was like pointing at, um, you said being present and open. Now I was pretty much 90% of the places alone because I'm single. That's just for me. I would be very enthralled with my phone or a book if I went to like brunch or lunch by myself or traveling when I would go to a but I learned present conversations with bartenders and like people sitting next to me and because I was present and open um, I wasn't feeling that internal struggle of oh my god I'm all alone I, I gained the confidence that no this is just fine like great it is you are doing you you are confident in you and then you're because you have that you're like you meet cool people and you're open and you gain like the strength just keeps coming because is factor so from being in told stories about like every place that we went and your <laughs> friends and you still have friends there so because out there and you were brave worked on your confidence you weren't afraid to fail a little bit or feel awkward sitting by yourself you gained friends you gained the lifestyle you did yeah. and then it rolled in all the things that strong and capable of so that's like just the best point like when you are doing things alone don't like go inward like don't go to your cell phone like be present, be open in that moment. It's okay. Like, yeah. Being alone is fine. Like it's absolutely yeah. fine. And you can meet some really cool people when you're open. Yeah. And I think in general, the whole, I think everything we keep coming back to even work, even social life, even, you know, adventuring, everything is just being okay with being uncomfortable, putting yourself out there, getting the experience, building confidence and using life and I think that like what you were, Michelle kind of brings that together 
um, for sure. And I think we just all need to like encourage each other to keep doing that and pull each other up when we can. And, you know, uh, really other up well. You know, if you're out with your group of friends and you see a lady sitting alone, chat her up. You know, like see if she's open to a conversation, you know, because sometimes For sure. like, some of the best things I've had when I'm traveling is I'll be sitting at a coffee shop and a group of women will come in and they'll sit near me. And then all of a sudden, and those have made my travel like priceless. Um, so yeah, include your fellow friend. If you see somebody on the outskirts of things, you know, you're the person you mentioned the meeting who sits in a chair invite her to the table she wants to be there but have the confidence yeah her that confidence Mm -hmm. and then if she declines then you know it's a choice that she is choosing um but in your life in your personal life and in work invite the people to the table you know say come on let's do this ish Ish. (laughs) get her done absolutely absolutely and I, i think that's such a good um such a good outlook to also know that you're working on yourself but kind of see how you know other females are also working on themselves and um what is the thing you know being able to fix someone else's crown while you know wearing your own and you know just helping each other and and being that positive energy for others that you know they might be working on something with their self and trying to help them um and I think you know seeing those around us, especially um, that might be sitting alone or might be, you know, needing help somewhere um, or, you know, a younger, a younger uh, coworker that might be going through, you know, kind of the same things that you were going through is kind of reaching down to help those um, or, or reaching out to, to help those, you know, that might be going through something that you've, gone through or you know maybe learning from you know what they're trying to do or what they're going through and you know kind of learning together I couldn't agree more you know with that I think this is probably a perfect time to, to start wrapping up and I think you know Michelle and you have just done a wonderful job of tying everything together you know the work the home and else I'll take away what you just said, Morgan, like being able to fix someone else while you're wearing your own. Um, so pulling each other up, um, just being there for each other, building confidence in yourself at the same time. Um, and, you know, just being okay with being a strong, independent woman who sometimes needs to ask for help and fails and grows from it. So I'm all about that. <laughs> and looking at those failures, I think as, um, life lessons and ways to build your strength, I think is also, is also key. Cause I actually hate the word failure. I don't know if you guys know that about me. I absolutely hate it. Um, just mentally for me. Yeah. Um, I grew up in like a, a household where A's were barely good enough, <laughs> like, <laughs> Girl, <laughs> um, you know, and, and I love my parents, but like there was a lot of internal pressure. So I grew up not wanting to fail people. So like when I did, you know, when I, I had my big, lost everything I had to reshape that in my head and um so if we give you anything reshape your story recognize like your own story recognize you may be okay with not being okay 
being okay. Um, and just know that everybody is in their own little personal development world. Um, and even guys are like, we really didn't talk about the guys much. And I know we probably need to wrap up but for the guys. If you've been listening at all, like recognizing that women do deal with this, like this is an issue for a lot of us, but it's also an issue for some men too. So just love everybody is the moral of the story. (laughs) While you're wearing your own, you know, (laughs) Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. That, I love it. Morgan, thank you so much for joining us this week. Uh, we can't wait to probably have you back on again. Can all Absolutely. Our first female camping trip uh, together. And then the oh, other. Oh, we've done one, but another one this <laughs> yeah. year. Yep. COVID-19 killing us. Yep. So Kill- we'll. Well, not really. That was horrible. I'm sorry. <laughs> COVID-19. Michelle is- takes that back. Strike- I take that back. Strike- that, that was that statement. horrible. Um, if you take it to true context, that was off. Um, we'll have another, uh, women's camping trip where we're gonna, um, for me, that's something out of my comfort zone. So I've been lucky enough to have these two ladies to lean on and depend on. So we'll have to talk about that in a future episode. Um, but thank you so much, Morgan, for joining us and sharing your story with us and talking about, you know, your, um, strengths and things that you're working on and what we can do to all help each other out so we really appreciate it great points thank you (laughs) thank you ladies for having me on and we will see you all again love you (laughs) Bye. bye